Welcome to Love Your Library, the Hampshire Library's podcast. I'm Hattie Dulac, and today I'm introducing an episode where my co-host Craig chats to some brilliant guests that really exemplify the values of the library service. Hear from Laura, a senior marketing officer for Fostering Hampshire Children, and Johnny, who's a hive care support worker and foster carer. They talk about why foster carers are needed in Hampshire, what being a foster carer is like, and how libraries provide part of that all-important, supportive social network that helps communities thrive. Craig also chats to Sam and Nikki, who work at Hampshire Libraries, and are here to talk about Hampshire Libraries' new Library of Sanctuary status. So we are delighted to be joined today for a very special version of the podcast with Laura Stagg, who is the Senior Marketing Officer for Fostering Hampshire Children, and Johnny, who is a foster carer and hive care support worker. Hi to you guys. Hello. So Johnny, can you tell us a little bit more, when did you decide you wanted to foster? Well, yeah, I decided to foster around 2006. I'd been a youth worker for many, for many years. And then sort of went to university to do a youth and community degree. Doing that degree then brought me in contact with lots of vulnerable children and young people. And then I actually thought the next stage on from this would be to provide a home for young people where you kind of make that difference on a longer, longer term, if you like, rather than, you know, putting on a group session with young people and talking about, you know, sexual health or whatever. But in that setting, you kind of got to speak to a lot of young people and just heard their stories and some of them were looked after obviously and it just sparked something in me and thought actually these children really do offer so much. I think it's a really interesting point you raised there straight off the bat is that actually it's a two-way process you find that you actually get some really valuable things out of it meeting these young people often I think it's very easy to you know the work that you do is invaluable don't get me wrong it is absolutely brilliant but it is also a two-way process you find that you get stuff out of it as well yeah oh absolutely I mean I I consider it a privilege that I can look after these young people and yeah like you say there are times where they challenge you which is healthy which is normal they're not always going to accept boundaries Um, and again it's enabled me to become a better person because I actually found ways of maintaining boundaries without losing the relationship and I think for me, that's a skill that transcends everything. I can use that in everyday interactions with anybody, and whether they're old or young, whether work colleagues or other professionals, whatever. That ability to do that, which young people have given me that, you know, as I say, it transcends all of that. So it's, it's not a one-way process. It's absolutely, I'm, I'm enhancing myself by doing it. Absolutely. And a bit of a big question now, because I'm sure we could talk about this for a long time and it's not easy to put into a few words. But can you tell us some of the main challenges that you find from being a foster carer? Some of the challenges, I guess, you know, obviously relate to behaviour when you're in, you know, you're in your home. And I primarily do teenagers. And for want of a better word, they're sort of challenging you and not sticking to the boundaries and kind of getting a bit in your face on occasions or going off and missing and you're having to ring out of hours and it's like a long old process and not come back and actually that all around that safeguarding stuff is very challenging but also emotionally when you see them move on it's quite challenging in respect of that you've seen this person throughout how many years you've done it i do also do emergency so it can be a week and you're really bonded with that person 
and then you've got to see them go and it's like because you haven't always got the room or whatever and i find that very challenging and recently i've been supporting some young people in daycare so as a foster carer not it's not always just about having them living with you for x amount of time sometimes it can be that, that i provide daycare just to give you know a chance for other foster carers to go off to go off to training or whatever you can really roll with that young person and, and see them in them trauma moments which you get that bond then and you think oh you just want to nurture them and that's usually then you say goodbye and you might not see them again and that's quite difficult in some respects and now about some of the more rewarding aspects of being a foster carer? The rewards is absolutely seeing the milestones, seeing them actually come to you, come in your door and look, what the better word lost? They're not in their best place. They're, they're just, oh my God, I'm in the stranger's home. You know, they're not making great eye contact. They're not showing any signs of humour. They're, they're, they're really closed. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've kind of given that time, you've got that patience. And then you see they start to make eye contact, they start to open up, they start to speak to you, they start to interact, they start to share a meal. And it's all of those things, those really small things that I get so much reward from. And even if, you you know, in respects of challenging behaviours, you've got a young person that's come to you, and for a very good reason, they are angry. They're angry that the system has removed them from something, whether it's good or not, to them that's their normal. And they're angry and they want to vent to somebody. I'm the only person with me and they're the only people that that are there so we can become that venting point now it's actually brilliant when you can kind of learn to how to sort of de-escalate that situation and get them in a calm place and then get to see things you know you may never change their mind but actually you can just start to sort of see that anger lessen and they start to smile again or just the small things that can start to show humor rather than anger and i think for me that's the rewards i get from this and we've also had some that have gone on to achieve great things and again, we're going to celebrate that in the moments where, you know, they might be performing on the stage and singing and thinking, oh my God, that's, that's hairs on my back. Or, you know, they might come back with a certificate from school. Absolutely. And when you talked about the challenges there, like you referenced at the start, it's things that will help you in your everyday interactions within the community, with work colleagues, with family, you know, that a kind of mediation and that understanding and that empathy that you will apply in everyday situations. So Johnny, what does the library mean for your family? It's a place where obviously it's a mind of information, isn't it? We can go there if we have young people that have a specific need, you can go there, look up a book that will cover that topic, or sometimes we've used it for DVDs, for film nights. I've had young people that, you know, use it just for somewhere warm to sit out and chill out, you know, so we've had a whole range of people that use it for different things. It's also looking in there and say what local clubs are there. So say I've used it to find local football clubs or other clubs of any nature really. You know that, that there'd be information in there that would cover new topics and give us you know, the numbers and contacts that we need. Absolutely. And you mentioned about the library being a, a safe space. We've recently been awarded Library of Sanctuary status and that's not just for foster carers. We have a Ukrainian connection group where people meet up. And like you say, that, that essence of community is prominent within our, within our library. So you can go and socialise and meet people. I think often people have this perception, if you've not been in a library, that it's all very quiet and it's all about books. And actually, people that visit our library for the first time or go there for an element of support or information finding find that that's not the case. Have you got any good book recommendations for other 
foster carers, potential foster carers, anyone wanting to find anything out more? Was there any resources or books that you used from the library? I've used quite a few, so but, but there's been stuff around fostering and its complexity work coming into the total. But they've had books around foster care in there. And I know that if you request it, if you say to the local library, could you source this book and you give them a specific title, nine out of ten times they will sort of get it in for them. So, Laura, let's start off with quite a basic question, but a very important question. Why do children come into foster care? It's for very different reasons, I think. There is a lot of myths out there about certain types of children that come into foster care. We see children come in from single parent households whose mother or father may have been rushed into hospital and they need emergency care overnight. We see people who may have got into financial difficulties and they've chosen to seek out respite care with foster carers while they try and sort their finances out. And there may be family breakdowns as well that see children go into foster care. But that's just a small proportion of the wider picture we're seeing across Hampshire. And we are seeing children from very poor areas of Hampshire that are brought into care from birth right up till they're 18. So it's a real mixture at the moment. And there are a lot of children that need to find homes. So what are the Fostering Hampshire children's values then in terms of the service that you provide and the work that you're doing? Our aim is to find foster carers for Hampshire's most vulnerable children. So the values that we kind of work to are to be our best. So make sure the foster carers are the best and can give the best care to the children. Collaboration, which we see with the hives. Continuous improvement as well. So we want to make sure that we are continually improving our service and the level of care and the level of social work that we're putting out there and working with birth families and foster families. And openness as well. Make sure everybody is open and transparent about the process and explain to with everything that happens during the time the children are with us. And then two, obviously, the big ones for us are respect and trust. And that goes for not only the staff, but also so social carers and also the foster carers and the children that sit within Hampshire. And then you've touched upon them a little bit there, but can you tell us a little bit more about the services goals and what you're looking to achieve? Yeah, so in Hampshire this year, between April last year and the end of this year, 2023, we have been tasked with finding 150 new foster families across Hampshire. We see a child come into care every 12 hours in Hampshire. So the demand, you know, for the same reasons that I I previously mentioned in that, you know, we need urgent carers as well as short term and long term carers, it's increasing. And so our aim is to find 150 new foster carers across Hampshire in this year. I can imagine that is a very big job there. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Open Your Door campaign? Yeah, so we launched the Open Your Door campaign in August, September in 2022. And the aim was to reach out to families that may have previously looked after people from Ukraine who previously opened their door to them or families that may have seen their eldest children move out or move on to university and they may have a spare bedroom or just those that have decided that now actually fostering is the right time for them and they've seen that there's a need and they want to help and reach out. So we launched the Open Your Door campaign last year which has had a massive response to it. It's been really widely received. We've got some really great partners that we're working with across the whole of Hampshire. 
some theme parks, some services within Hampshire County Council, like the libraries, and also some local businesses as well that have reached out and said that we'll support you in, in this campaign. So if people can open their house and open their homes and go through our fostering process to get a child, you know, safely into Hampshire. Absolutely. So if someone is listening here that thinks, how can I help? I, I want to find out more about this. How can someone find out more? So there are lots of ways. We are trying to make ourselves as visible and accessible to find out more about fostering as we possibly can. I guess the first stop is probably by our website. If you search on Google, search for Fostering Hampshire Children, you'll find our webpage. There's lots of useful information on there in terms of what the hives are. There are different types of care, what the allowances are. There's information where you can sign up for an info pack or just join our newsletter to find out what the children have been up to across Hampshire. We also are available on all social media channels. But if you want a little bit more info about fostering itself, we have the Hampshire County Council YouTube channel where we have a fostering playlist. And that on there has some really great videos with foster carers directly who talk about their journey through fostering, how they work and foster at the same time and the different types of fostering that they've done as well. Or just pick up the phone and give us a call. We've got some really lovely ladies and gentlemen that answer any questions that you have. We've got lots of consideration events so you can join up to some virtual free Zoom calls with us and a foster carer will be on there and one of our team will be on there and they can talk you through everything about fostering. And then over the summer, you'll probably see us at lots of festivals, at different pride meetings. You know, we've got a dedicated member of our team, Faye, who goes out and stands in supermarkets and encourages people to come and find out more about fostering. So we're out and about across Hampshire as well. So you can have an informal chat with her. You can call up and have a chat with our, our recruitment team. Or if you just want a little bit more information, you can always just visit the website. That's fantastic. I don't know how anyone can't find out uh, more about fostering. It sounds like you're getting out and about everywhere. So in terms of obviously we are the Love Your Libraries podcast and we're delighted to have you on. But in terms of bringing it back to the library, and I know you mentioned it just now, but what support can carers or foster families get within our library? Yeah, I think there's there's lots. Obviously, we've worked with some of the library services as well. We've also taken some of our events to there as well. So people that have gone in to find out a little bit more information about fostering can chat to them within that library setting. But we find that the foster carers like taking children to the libraries because the majority of them are free events. There's lots of events that are set up for children of lots of different ages. The library that's local to me in Hampshire has a reptile session that children can go along to in like half time and stuff like that so you know everything from that to coat swaps for children which I think was a fantastic initiative that the libraries launched this year because some children obviously that come in Hampshire just come with a bag with nothing else they don't bring toys they don't bring anything else with them they just arrive in emergency care you know with just a hold off the night so when speaking to foster carers they've you know said that they love using the libraries yeah there's a lot there's lots of info that they can get from you as well and they feel quite supported in the groups that are run there so the learning and libraries sessions that are set up across Hampshire as well have been a really great resource for people to attend. They run Macatons, which help non-verbal and verbal children from toddlers right up to preschool and also first aid courses. And these are all run absolutely free. 
I think you can book your session online if you want to book your space and then you just turn up to your library and go and sit in on those and it's really really useful information. So what support and resources can look after children accessing the libraries then? You might have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but when you sign up to library, obviously you get a free library card and that then can stay with the child whenever they move flexibly across the foster homes should they move. They also support children in terms of returning books. They're very flexible in taking it from one library to, you know, might be another in, in the county and there are no penalties for that. But again, I think it is going back to the support and resources of having, like you said, that place of sanctuary, but it's going to the libraries with their foster carer and joining other people in the community as well. So whether they meet them at school or if they've moved into the area that's completely new to them, that might be the perfect opportunity, especially if they have toddlers or children of preschool age that may not have socialised in nurseries in their own area. It's great for us. It's a great resource for the community to go out and meet people free of charge for foster carers as well. Absolutely. And I think that's something that anyone that visits our libraries, as soon as you go into a library, every library is different. But I think that sense of community is really prominent in all of our libraries and can be so valuable, not only for the young people that are being looked after, but also for the carers and the adults as well to, you know, meet and socialise and get support within their local community. So I think that's really important. So Laura, can you explain to us a little bit more about what a care leaver is and the resources that they have available at the library? Anybody that has been within the care system and then, you know, it continues out afterwards. So for example, if if you had a child that was fostered and then adopted, they would be classed as a looked after child until they were 18 and then they would leave the care system. But that doesn't mean that they leave the family home or, you know, the, the, the fostering family home. It means that they move from the care system to become an independent adult, but they may still sit within certain adult services for, for support. So obviously care leavers follow through the system as well and actually they still have the same permissions to use the library as much as the smaller children obviously in Hampshire. They can go in and they can use the resources, they can use the computers and and they have that library card as well that transfers with them wherever they go outside of being a care leaver. In terms of resources, they would use it for schoolwork. It may also be that they sign up to things within their area through volunteering as well. We know a lot of care leavers that we find leave the service want to give back to what they've already been doing. We've found that people that have come through the care system in Hampshire have then gone on to be foster carers in the future as well. So I think there are lots of opportunities And I know that there's lots of volunteering opportunities throughout Hampshire, but also through the libraries that care leavers can get involved in as well. So, Laura, can you tell us more about how we can use the library to learn more about fostering and in particular about fostering Hampshire children? Yeah, so we work quite closely with the libraries. They've been a big supporter of our Open Your Door campaign. And as I mentioned, they're partnering with lots of different agencies and and businesses across Hampshire. So one of the main things they do is support us and give us some space inside their foyers across the community. So, you know, we've been in Basingstoke and Gosport, Winchester, all over Hampshire where our recruitment lady, Faye, has been there to answer any questions that you might have. 
but also you can use the resources. So each library has been sent some leaflets about the Open Your Dawn campaign and you'll probably see some of our big banners in there as well. And they kindly put those up for us. And within, obviously, within the libraries, you can find out more information by using their computers to search us online if you can't get online at home. But yes, like I said, they're big supporters of us. And you could probably ask one of the team if you wanted some more information and they'll put you in contact with the right person. Absolutely. And that's some really good, helpful pointers that you've identified there to help anyone that's listening using their local library to find out more. I was just going to say is that actually some of our foster carers choose to meet there with their foster children. So what they tend to do is it is a place for the adult foster carers to catch up with others and have that chat. And that's almost their little support group that they do off their own backs in their areas as well, using the local library, you know, facilitating that. So, yeah, within the hives, the hives bring a network of foster carers together. So they are led by a hive care support worker and each one is dedicated to an area. So Totten, you know, Waterlooville, Winchester, Basingstoke, they each have their own hives. And what that does is it brings together a group of foster families who can all lean on each other for respite. You know, they have sleepovers and they do curry nights. You know, they have really fun times. They go out to farm visits. They do lots together as that mini community. And off their own back, they'll probably just message a few friends within that group. You know, other foster families say, oh, you know, really struggling today. Anyone fancy a quick catch up? And they might find a rhyme time or, a, you know, or some event that's going on where the children can go off and have a look for some books while they have their own little mini support group. It, like you said, it's a free space that they can use within the community. And I think you're right to identify that those situations for people, you know, in every walk of life, in every situation, they exist. And sometimes they exist, like you say, Laura, off their own back of people just meeting up. And I think anyone that is in this situation where you're fostering or you're caring for someone or in any kind of situation, I think often the best course of action is to go into a library and ask someone. Our staff are absolutely brilliant. They're so passionate about what they do. And if you're not sure, if you can't find a website address or, or a phone number, please, I just urge anyone to go in and just ask our staff. And nine times out of 10, they will be able to point you in the right direction or put you in touch with someone else that can start up a dialogue with you. And like you say, especially in those informal situations where it's not an official group, they will be able to put you in touch with the right people that can help support and offer that assistance. So I just urge anyone to do that as your first course of action if you can't find a, a website or a phone number. So finally then, so you've talked to us about the Open Your Door campaign, which sounds fantastic. And I know that there is the Foster Care Fortnight coming up, which is the 15th to the 28th of May 2023. So can you tell us a little bit more about anything coming up for the remainder of this year? Like you mentioned, we have Foster Care Fortnight, something we celebrate every year to celebrate not only the good work that's done in Hampshire, but also to all the volunteers and all the people within the service to help bring a bit of safety and security around Hampshire's most vulnerable children. And we also use that week to raise awareness of, you know, us trying to find those 150 new foster carers. So not only off the back of that, we'll be out probably in a field with our welly, <laughs> with our welly boots on at different festivals and events across Hampshire. You might see us at local tourist attractions. But we, yeah, we have Foster Care Fortnight and we also have Foster Focus Week, which is in October half term as well, where we, 
you know, highlight how much we do need new families across Hampshire to just sign up and find out a little bit more information about the process. If you want to find out more about fostering a child in Hampshire, we'll pop the Fostering Hampshire Children website in our show notes so you can check it out. And I thought it was really interesting to hear Craig mention that Hampshire libraries have recently achieved Library of Sanctuary status, because that's what the next part of this episode is all about. So keep listening to learn what it means to be a Library of Sanctuary and about how Hampshire libraries are supporting sanctuary seekers across the county. Hello, and we're really excited today to welcome our guest for the podcast, Sam Marshall, who is the Operational Manager for Public Libraries, and Nikki Hopkins, who is the Library Team Manager at Hythe and Totten Libraries. Hi to you both. Hi. It's great to have you join us today, and we're very excited at the reason you're joining us, and it's to talk to us a little more about our Libraries of Sanctuary status and what that means. So perhaps we could start off with that question. Could you explain a little bit more about that? So being a library of sanctuary means that as a service, we go above and beyond to show solidarity and a warm welcome to everyone. So this includes people who are particularly seeking sanctuary from persecution, from war, and those who are just fleeing from a place where they're simply not safe. We are able to offer warm, welcome, safe spaces in all of our libraries because our whole service is a service of sanctuary. So this, in addition to our day-to-day work that we already do in the community, we've worked really hard as a team to provide a specific welcome for those who are seeking sanctuary. And that includes providing culturally focused events and activities, providing dual language, books digitally and physical books, and providing spaces for English as a second language classes, just for an example. And they're available free to all of our sanctuary seekers. We've also provided emergency memberships to support people to be able to join our library much quicker as well as translated information to enable people whose English isn't necessarily their first language to access facilities such as printing and Wi-Fi, all those really important things that engage people in a library and quite often our sanctuary seekers will come into a library because that's the one thing that they need straight away. Fantastic. And so why did Hampshire Libraries decide to apply for this status then? So we were already working with a lot of sanctuary seekers in our community. That's part of what we do as a library service anyway in our day-to-day work. Obviously, we all know about the Ukraine crisis last year. And something that happened there is that we suddenly realised we have to formulate some groups and some spaces for people to meet very, very quickly. People who were fleeing Ukraine in this instance. So we responded to a crisis really, really, really quickly. And by doing that, we started to work with other partners, started to speak with the city of Sanctuary at Winchester, for example. And with those key contacts, I started to realise that actually we were providing a library service of Sanctuary, which is one stream of the City of Sanctuary programme that they offer. So what was important to us at that stage was not only to continue with our work and build on the work that we were doing, but also as we were looking through which essentially is an application form, thinking to ourselves, we feel that we meet this criteria, at least at a minimum level at that stage in those early days. And speaking to those partners and speaking to people that we were starting to engage with and building our programme meant that we were starting to meet that criteria more and more. 
And we thought, well, we'll go for this. And we may not get it in the first instant because it's such early days for us, but we might. So that's what we did. And what was important there is that we were able through not just the process of applying, but through the process of all our work, we reached out to a much wider service than perhaps we would have done otherwise. We could use the learning as a platform for our staff to start learning more about other cultures and experiences that people have. And otherwise, kind of strategically, we, we were able to demonstrate to elected members, senior council officers and other key partners that our libraries deliver a lot of the key council priorities. Libraries are increasingly integral to their community, even more so now than we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But that is about us reaching out to every part of the community. And I think that's something we try and do every day is try and work out how we can reach people who maybe don't normally think of using the library or even know about what we do and who we are. And one of the great things about going for the award is that helps us spread that word and spread the awareness to different partners, different people, different communities so that they know what we're doing, which is really, really important. That all sounds great. So how long was that process in terms of deciding to apply to them being awarded that status, which has happened pretty recently for us, yeah? Yes, we got the award in November 2022 last year. So the whole process actually took us about six months, right? So it was very, very, it was a very quick process. The award application is quite a challenging application. And myself and Nikki and a refugee who works with Nikki now, era actually sat on the panel for the meeting which was a couple of hours long so yeah from start to finish it took us six months which we're told is quite unusual because most people are taking a little bit longer than that so we're really proud to have got the award the first the first time around that was that was really exciting it sounds like you guys have obviously been really uh you know integral to this process and putting us forward and helping us get this but when i introduced you at the top of the show and your job roles And obviously, this is as well as your day to day roles. This is all extra that you've been doing. So, Nikki, how have you found that? It can be a little bit of a challenge because it's a really important piece of work, but it can be time consuming. I think what was great for me was when the crisis in Ukraine started, we had someone who was going to host who came in and said to me, oh, well, you know, there must be something on to support refugees when they come. And I, I kind of went away and thought about it and I went, well, we don't really have that. So... I sat down and thought, well, what could we do? And kind of came up with the idea for Ukraine Connections. And in a very, very short turnaround, because obviously we knew we had people coming over very quickly, we started up the Ukraine Connections group. And it's something I'm very passionate about and I'm so pleased it's been so successful. And then that led me to join in with the Library of Sanctuary work that Sam had been doing and, and is very passionate about. I think that's what helps. You know, I think if you've got that passion for wanting to make the service as inclusive and diverse as possible in in what we offer and I think when you've got that passion the little bit of extra work doesn't really cause too many problems. That's great. We've touched a little bit about the project's journey and and we've discussed that but what have been the biggest successes and then maybe highlighting some of the challenges that you've had? Since the, the beginning we've had nearly 500 emergency memberships taken out which is incredible We've had 203 Ukraine connection sessions held in our 23 branches with over 2,000 people attending them, which, and that's just one part of our sanctuary work is the Ukraine connections groups. And those 2,000 people will include children, adults, and host families as well. 
our host families was a real part of our success because we weren't expecting host families to come along as well. And in terms of gaining information from them about what more we could do, that was really important. We've had some really great successful staff training. And for me, I was actually in a different job when I started on the role of moving us forward for this Sanctuary Award. We set up a group of Sanctuary Ambassadors, so five of our LTMs, Nikki's one of them, are Sanctuary Ambassadors who really ensure that the reach across the county really, really works. And it's their passion and their energy that makes this whole piece of work really sing and really shine and be really, really successful. So for me, that's been a real success as well, to have such amazing staff who have really taken this forward. And then more recently, I guess, a big success for this project is we've employed refugees who are now working in our branches as library team assistants. And that's just absolutely amazing because we've now got the voice of the people to whom we were trying to help really telling us what it is that they need going forward. So that's been really exciting. What's been lovely is seeing how we've been able to adapt. I think that's been a real success story of ours because quite honestly, at the beginning, there was a lot of maybe us doing what we thought would be useful for people. And then what we've developed as we've gone along by talking to different groups and talking to the people themselves is actually developing what they actually want and need. And that's helped obviously improve our service and what we offer to them. And I think just the ambassadors program as well, where we're really looking at how we can continue the Library of Sanctuary and what we can do to make sure our offer is relevant and continues to grow. That's been really successful too. Fantastic. There's some great successes in there. And moving forward, we hope to see many more from having that Library of Sanctuary status. What changes will members see within their libraries? How will having this status evolve within our library service over time? Certainly short term, I think it's about us looking at what need is there. It's a very diverse need. You know, we're open to anyone that's seeking sanctuary. And that means looking at how the offer varies depending on culture and background, because that's a really big thing. I think what communities will notice is how inclusive we are. I mean, we are anyway, but I think it will become more obvious and more recognisable, I guess, about what we offer. Because actually one of the great things about this award is that we are able to shout a little about what great things we do. And we really do. And that's down to the kind of the teams on the front line and how much effort they put in to be welcoming and, you know, available for anything people need. And I think that's a really good thing going forward. Yeah, I agree, Nikki. And following on from what Nikki's just said, the face of our library is changing as well as we are actively recruiting refugees, people who are seeking sanctuary in our community. That's really, really important. We're about to start work with a, a whole new group of people who have come over from Hong Kong. So that's going to bring another diversity to the work that we do. And this status is enabling us to think twice about what we do and how we offer it. And actually, do we need to translate something for somebody or is that not necessary? But by working with people on the ground that are sanctuary seekers themselves, which we have grown into over time doing that and being aware to, you know, to ask those questions and not doing to people, I think our libraries will start developing into real community hubs. So really, truly, even more representative of the communities which we serve. And we were already there, but I think we'll start to see that, you know, developing even more. Absolutely. And anyone that's used our libraries, whether it's to take out books or conduct research or use our meeting rooms or attend a rhyme time or use the computers, hopefully people will agree that they do tend to be community hubs. But I think having this status of sanctuary means that that's even more prominent. And so 
for anyone that's listening to this, if they are looking for a place of sanctuary, how would you suggest that they get in touch with you? One of the ways is that they could just pop in to any of our libraries, pop in, talk to a member of staff about what their needs are. That's probably the quickest way to get in touch. Follow Hampshire Libraries on any of our social media outlets. That's a really, really good way. There is a Library of Sanctuary website where we will be on there as a library service of sanctuary. So if people wanted to look at the website, they could do that. So also, we have a lot of partners that work with us, with sanctuary seekers. So anyone can go along and talk to one of their local councils, one of the charity organisations that is working to help refugees or citizens advice. And they will all signpost people to help, including back to the library service. So Fantastic. And then finally, you're both particularly passionate about the importance of libraries within the community. Can you tell us what role that plays within the local communities, the local hubs, and what difference our libraries can make to the people within those communities? I truly believe, Craig, that libraries provide really positive outcomes for everyone. By just coming into a library, spending time in the library, you may be reading a book, you may be going on a computer, you may be taking a class, you may be bringing your child to an activity, to a Song to Rhymes group, for example. But actually, we know the research has shown that libraries, by just doing any of those activities, they help maintain your physical, your mental well-being, improving social inclusion community cohesion all of that on top of the sanctuary work that we're doing is just so valuable to everybody's lives within the community which is why we act as such important community hubs for everyone including the most vulnerable people who live within our communities i think what's important is for a lot of people we are a really important part of their life and that's why libraries are so important you can be the only people that they see in a day or a week we can be the only warm space they can have and that can be anything from someone coming in with a new baby and we're the people that they can come in and sit and have time in our rhyme time and meet other parents to people that come in and do a jigsaw or sit in the warm or sit and just actually chat to one of our volunteers or one of the staff because actually for that reason as well as all the others that Sam's already mentioned we're really important And it's becoming more and more so, actually. And I think I am incredibly passionate about everything we offer. We are probably one of the most wide-ranging services. Yeah, we are something different to everybody. And I don't think there's anyone that quite replicates that. And it makes us incredibly important to all the communities. And I think what's great about Library of Sanctuary is it's allowing us to extend that. It's really important that everybody remembers libraries are free to come into So as Nikki just said, we're probably one of the last few remaining public places that somebody can come into and you don't need to spend a penny to come into a library or borrow a book or just sit and participate in some of these activities. And that is worth a million pounds to a lot of people. And that's really valuable about libraries. 